This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hi everyone, Andrew Apanov here with the 76th episode of the We Spin Recipes podcast. Today's guest on the show is Josh Urban. Some of you may recognize his name because he uh, was on this podcast already as an interviewer. Today, for we uh, chat with him as an interviewee and uh, we talk about his projects and uh, his annual railroad tour because he's in the middle of one right very now. Uh, I am excited about this chat because it's by an artist, by a musician and it's for musicians. It's just filled with practical tips for artists and I'm absolutely confident that um, a lot of you, if not everyone who is listening to the show, will find something useful here. Please keep in mind that although we talk a lot about things like street music and performing uh, and, and connecting with people who you meet in person, it's all applicable to online marketing and growing uh, your, your brand online. It's just sometimes a little bit difficult to to read people's minds and, and emotions, but it's all doable. It's also something that we talk about here. But I really don't want to keep this intro long. This episode is quite amazing. I hope you enjoy it. Please leave your thoughts in the comments uh, on, on iTunes uh, via review or on SoundCloud and hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. You can find the uh, Twitter uh, handle and all the other links to Josh Urban's um, profiles in the show notes at wispin.co forward slash WSR76. Thank you, and here we go. Josh, it's so exciting to have you on this podcast as a guest because you actually have been here already as an interviewer so uh, right. I, I, who, who did you interview for for Wispin Recipes? Do you oh, remember? This, this was a, a couple of guys up in New York I think it was a guy from Icusic and then right. yeah 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 so that was oh man it was, well it's an honor to be here thanks for having me Andrew it is great to be here hello world yeah so um and we <laughs> we've got something interesting to discuss with you you and before we get there do you mind a little bit of of a proper background even to those who maybe had your listen to your your interviews uh, they they may want to to learn a little bit more on who you are sure absolutely well my name is josh urban i live near washington dc i'm starting to be more honest about that because i live out in the suburbs but uh you know it's cooler to say you're from the city but i'm from the suburbs and I'm a guitar player, a singer, and recently started counting myself as a producer dabbling in Ableton Live. Mixing that with a blues guitar background, so it was kind of a foot in both worlds there. And one of the things I specialize in is street music and what you might call alternative tours. So trying to do music projects that have a social component, trying to make the world a better place, not through any particular cause, but more through social experiments, such as spreading kindness or good news. And I love to travel by train. I've always loved trains. And that's one of the things I do is my rail tour. So this is the fourth rail tour. I'm actually right in the middle of one right now. I go out on the, on the rails on the weekends and um, been traveling around the East Coast with my guitar. And another thing that I like to do is I like to build weird instruments. So sort of my signature is my broom guitar. And this is just what you would think. This is a broomstick. 
you know, with the bristles and everything. And then I put guitar strings on it. I go out on the street corner and I play that. So uh, it gets a lot of, a lot of looks, a lot of what, what is that, which is exactly what I'm after. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, that, yeah, that, I mean, that's a, a good overview, I guess, but there is more to, uh, to eat. And uh, I'm looking forward to discussing some of these things that you mentioned in more detail. Uh, and that's really cool. So right now you are, in fact, in the middle of this tour. And uh, I do know that it's not the first one. And yeah, so uh, you mentioned um, uh, the term alternative tour. So what, what, what do you mean by that? Well, the, so the, I've always... Okay, so so I'm a solo musician. I played in bands for a while, and then I decided to venture out on my own. And it was in 2012, and I really wanted to to go out on the road. And I w- was watering my garden, and I was uh, I was grumbling to myself. I said, "Yeah, but everybody goes on tour, right?" And you know, a lot of independent musicians are out there pounding the pavement, and there's a lot of noise in the industry because anybody can be a musician, which is great. I think it's the best time ever to be a musician. But you really need something to set yourself apart from the crowd. So I was trying to figure out how to to do something that would sort of set me apart. And I'm like, yeah, everybody goes on tour. And then I, I remember I threw down my the garden hose. I was watering like uh, I think some roses or something. I like to garden too. And I threw it down. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Everybody goes on tour. So the first tour I did was based on the premise that everybody has a story. And it's a very true premise. Everybody does have a story. So what I was going to try to do is I was called myself a spider in the middle of a story web. And I was going around touring myself and also letting people collaborate with this so they could share their stories using a hashtag that I made for the tour, which was JURT, Josh Urban Rail Tour, J-U-R-T. So anybody who wanted to share their story could post it with this hashtag. And at the end of the tour, I sort of brought all these stories in in the form of pictures together and made a big collage of it. So it sort of gave everybody a stage as I traveled around. So that was an interesting thing because instead of just turning it from a, oh, look at me, I'm doing something. It's like, hey, look at us. We're all doing something together. Right. Yeah. So ever since then, I like to incorporate some sort of social component to the tour because I think musicians actually, well, we do have a louder voice, sometimes literally, than the average person, if we cultivate a stage and we spend years working on developing a stage, well, it's nice to use that stage for some purpose. So one of the annual projects I do is called the Kindness Exchange. So I'll travel around and encourage people to do random acts of kindness. And then we tag it back and we share it through my stage. And I have a, this whole thing that I do with that gives people a place to connect and I welcome them onto my stage. So this particular tour is called Join the Dance Party. and 2016 has been kind of a, a, a weird year. I mean, we have in America, we have a really poisonous political season right now. And all these people that we know and love have been dying. I've been, I was up in New York telling everybody, I'm like, politics and, and Gene Wilder died, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. So the idea with this one is that we can't really control the bad news, but we can control our reaction to it. And all throughout history, music, dance, comedy, satire, all of these things have gotten us through. And it let us deal with any bad news that comes our way. Yeah. So that so the idea with this one is that I'm traveling around and people can join in and we're joining the dance party is sort of a, a spoof on a political party. So we're just gonna like say, hey, okay, we're gonna we're gonna dance through what's going on. And I'm making a music video with this one. So people are dancing through their fear with this one. That's that's the idea. And they hold up a little piece of paper, what they're scared about, and they write something on it and, and we get it in the video. So that's the idea behind this sort of social component to the tour. 
Yeah, the, I like your ideas so far, and you, you 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 mentioned about the the kindness exchange, and so he didn't. Yeah, so it's not the focus right now, but I believe you've also been performing at places like hospitals. Right. Yeah, hospitals. I'm going to be playing at a hospital on Friday. I'm going to be playing at one in a couple of weeks at the psychiatric ward of a veterans hospital, and that is really a moving place to play. It's also one of the most fun places I've ever played at. I feel. I feel like I fit in there. <laughs> you know, like I'll go into like a coffee shop and it might be a little pretentious, you know, and you can't tell if the people like you or not. But like there, you know, everybody's everybody's a little bit off their rockers, you know. So like if, if they don't like you, they leave. If they like you, they stay. And, and, and we all yell and carry on and it's fun. So, yeah, but but the idea behind this. So one of the alternative things with this is there's a lot of places to play music, not just in a traditional club setting. And the neat thing is, is you can actually play in a traditional club setting and these other places because these other places tend to keep different hours than a club. So this is for any listeners who are like, yeah, but I like playing in venues. Great. Keep playing in venues. But you can play some music on the street beforehand. You can stop by a school and tell kids about music beforehand. You can play in a hospital lobby beforehand. There's a lot of ways to really maximize your exposure in a given city and making use of the timetable. Yeah, and 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 so I I can imagine it's it's really not about money in a lot of the cases, even what you just mentioned. But how could you come? Like, does does it pay off uh, if you pack your schedule this way with with these performances? And it really depends where you play and sort of what's going on. Like like people, there's different sorts of budgets depending on where you are. One of the things that I do when I'm not playing music is I DJ. Uh, more as a host, not as a mixed DJ. I call it the classic radio hour. And I go into assisted living homes and nursing homes and play hits from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And there's a pretty big entertainment budget there. So school assemblies, you can get you can get paid a decent amount for that too. So there's all sorts of these hidden pockets of money that you you take advantage of as a niche market that other performers might not be looking at, especially if it's not during your normal working hours. And if you roll into a city and the school pays you a couple hundred bucks to come play an assembly, well, that's great. And your fans will probably outlive you too, which is a right. cool thing with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and so I thought that it would make sense to mention that you also teach others to play guitar. So you, you, uh, it's also one of your income streams, is it correct? Yes, right, right. I've been doing that for 12 years. Oh, and it's, it's neat. It kind of, it actually translates onto the street as well. I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, so I started when I was 18 with all the wisdom of an 18-year-old. I just got out of high school. I was in a bar band making on a good month, $300 a month, you know, something not possible to support yourself in this area on that. And I said, oh, I guess I'll do music. And I applied for the job of a guitar teacher at a local guitar shop. And thank goodness that happened. And, and <clears throat> I got hired there. I started teaching six days a week. And then a couple of years later, I opened up my own teaching studio which is a fancy word for a room um, with some Hendrix posters up and stuff. But uh, I've been doing that ever since. So it's, it's quite fun. It's quite rewarding. It can be financial. It is financially stable for that. And it, it lets me be around music all the time. And another thing that's cool with it is when I'm out on the street playing, one of the things this tour is, it's all about the interaction. And I find yeah. that people really react more if they can get involved or they're seeing other people get involved. So like I'll have kids will come up to me on the street and they'll see me playing this broom guitar. And I said, well, do you want to try it? 
And they're like, well, I don't know how. And I said, well, it's, you know, it's silly. It's a broom. You, you don't need to know how. And I teach guitar. I'll show you how to play. So I'll show them how to play it right on the street, give them a little guitar lesson right there. And then we go from there. And another thing I do is, you know, you always want to cross brand things and cross market things. I was just talking to some kids in Philadelphia and, and their mom and their dad. And I said, hey, you know, if they want to learn more, let me know because I teach Skype lessons and I have students all over, you know, they don't, they're hundreds of miles away and they take weekly lessons. So if, if they would like to learn, they can sign up with me. So they don't have to be local, which is yeah. a neat thing. with touring. You can build your brand and build your business if you're a music teacher through Skype lessons in any city that you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything is connected here. It always is important because for a lot of our listeners, it's uh, it's quite a big question how to do music full-time. And right. answer is usually you have to uh, hustle, you have to do lots of different things music-related. It can be music-related, really, like in your uh, example. And I believe that you enjoy most of the things that you do and do, most yeah. of them are related to music. So this is, uh, this is uh, the way for an indie musician these days, sort of. So and so now it makes more sense with how uh, this store ties to your other activities. And um, yeah, something that I think we really should talk about is this engagement part. So you, you, you mentioned it a few times and uh, I know how you try to get people involved. So it's not, it's not your typical street performance, I guess. So how would you, uh, yeah, maybe you can comment on the street music scene overall in, sure. in your area based on your experience? Absolutely. And you know, one more thing about the income streams, just um, wrapping that up. One of the things sure. that, that I'm really interested in, and I think that this might help listeners too, is to realize that there's a lot of different times in the day where different things happen. So we usually think of a musician as playing uh, live shows, which that is probably, you know, from seven in the evening till one or two in the morning. That's your window right there. Well, If you're hosting a program for senior citizens, that's happening at 11 in the morning. If you're talking to a school, that might be at two in the afternoon. If you're teaching guitar, that's going to be around five in the evening. So if you're trying to figure out how to maximize your income streams, definitely look at the clock and see when different audiences are coming online. And then let's say you're doing concert window shows or, or Facebook live shows. Where in the world is your audience and when are they going to be watching it? So the clock is a very important thing. That's, so, that's, that's a great one. Yeah. So thank you. And then as far as engagement goes, yeah. So this is something that I sort of stumbled on accidentally. I started just playing guitar on the street and it all actually revolves around New York City. I'm from the DC area and I'm a pretty colorful individual. I'll go out, I'll holler, I'll, you know, make a ruckus and people might not necessarily stop, but they will definitely notice that I'm there. So I was I'm not necessarily comfortable in what I was playing. I'm always trying to get better. And I think I have a long way to go and all this stuff. But I was comfortable in my ability to make a splash. And then I went to New York City. And I tell you, Andrew, I just basically got swallowed up. I stopped. There was the last day on my first tour. And I go out and it's time to score with my acoustic guitar. And a couple people noticed, but most of the people literally couldn't hear me. There was just there was this roar. There was all these street performers. There was the Statue of Liberty on stilts. There was Mickey Mouse panhandling. And there I am with just an acoustic guitar. And it was really boring compared to everything else happening. So I left and sort of, um, you know, slightly with a bruised ego, I said, oh, okay, well, that, that didn't go as well as I had hoped. And then the next year I went back 
and I had built a cigar box guitar. And if, if for any listeners who are unfamiliar with it, it's, it's made out of a wooden cigar box and then it has a little bitty guitar neck on it. So it's sort of like a square looking mini guitar and it's unusual and it's big in the blues world, but not a lot of people outside of the blues world know that. And it would go right in the back pocket of my guitar case. And I noticed when I was in the New York subway, people would say, hey, what is that? Or, hey, is that a cigar box guitar? And it was a great icebreaker. So it got me thinking. I'm like, okay, well, if you do something a little bit that doesn't fit people's perceptions or what people have seen, that not that does two things. That sort of breaks them out of, out of their trance and says, oh, what's going on there? And it also gives people an excuse to talk to each other, which is a very important thing because – if you're in a crowded place, you don't really have an excuse to talk to another person. If you talk to another person, you're liable to get tased or pepper sprayed or, you know, or, or you're just like, like, oh, what, what's going on? It's, you're met with alarm. So, <laughs> so if you have something weird, even if it's a great networking thing is if you go to a networking event and you wear a really cool, funky pair of shoes, people can remark on your shoes and you can start a conversation around that or a, a colorful tie. People can say, hey, I like your tie. Just anybody a reason. So this, this unique instrument gave people a reason. So I liked that. And then I built my first broom guitar and I went up, which is, again, was just the guitar string on a broomstick and it was stretched over a tin can. And I played it with a slide and it had an electric guitar pickup. I plugged into a little mini amp on my belt, sort of like Jack Black and School of Rock. And I went up there with my GoPro to, to make a music video and people loved it. Everybody would, nobody knew what it was, even have it just holding it on the train, people would be like, hey, what is that? And I would play them something and it would sound goofy. It would sound weird, but then I would have them play it and I would play my regular guitar and then we'd have a jam session. It would sound pretty cool. So they'd be making some weird noise. They'd be having fun. They'd be doing something weird. They'd be like, I can't believe this, get a picture of it. And I got all of this engagement and it was great, really connected a lot of people. Awesome. So, so th thank you. So then I said, okay, I got this. I really want to make a guitar, a broom guitar that I can actually play something on. So I redesigned it. I put a, a yardstick on it for a fretboard, if any guitar players are listening. And I, I bought guitar frets off Amazon and I measured the thing and I put the pickup and I made it good and I spray painted it. And I went up to New York. This was Friday and Saturday. And I didn't get nearly the engagement of the first broom guitar. And I was so confused. I was like, what's going on? First, I was just sort of standing there with my broom and playing it, expecting people to say, oh, what is that? And nobody really noticed it. And then, then I started like performing more with it and people noticed it a little bit more. And mm -hmm. I was talking to my brother, Noah, who's, who he um, has a business with my other brother, Zach, and they're all into um, marketing and branding. And, and we were trying to figure it out. And we figured out that it wasn't weird enough. It didn't have the tin can on it and it looked too much like a guitar and people weren't as interested in it. So this was, well, I was stunned, you know, and we were both saying, man, don't you hate it when you work on something really hard and you say, oh, this is, this is going to be it. And then people are like, ah, it's too normal. I don't like it. So I didn't get a chance to AB test them because I didn't have the other broom guitar. So I couldn't compare them side by side. But the next day I was going to Philadelphia and I said, okay, I need to, <laughs> I need to mod this out a little bit. So I, I ended up finding in a, I was actually in a trash can in, in a, in a train station. It was it was clean. It was the recycling bin it was a little um, mint tin. It was an Altoids tin, the curiously strong mints. And I shoved that under the strings and made it look a little bit weirder and started playing more slide guitar with it. And that got more engagement. So if you're doing something really weird and people like it, don't make it normal. That's the moral of that story right there. So I'm, I need to mod it out a little bit more. I'm, I'm heading south and really make it something that's really, really strange. Now, if you're listening and you're not playing a broom guitar, this actually still does apply to you. What can you do to really make it 
and make people say, hey, that is that is really cool. I know a lot of DJs are listening and you can ask yourself who's talking to you if you're playing out, who's talking to you at your, your set? Are other DJs talking to you and saying, hey man, those are nice turntables or are random people who you want to be your fans talking to you? When I have guitar players talk to me, I'm always flattered, but they're not my target audience. So I want people to take selfies with me. That's the engagement I'm trying to get. Yeah. So a related question. Do you encourage yeah. people to use specific hashtag or tag you somehow so you can uh, reconnect with these people who you meet in person? So how can you try to capture any kind of contact information of these people if you do it all? Absolutely. And that's a big concern or not a concern, but big, big issue for me is to try to capture the fans that come by and really like what's going on. So yes, yeah, so I'll use a hashtag with this JURT, J-U-R-T for Josh Urban Realtor. I have a laminated sign that I put out um, when I'm playing on the street. I also have little business cards that I pass out that explain what I'm doing and to tag it with the hashtag. And a lot of people take pictures of it. So I'll hold up the sign and say, hey, you know, take a picture of that, tag it to Instagram. The idea behind it is that people are going to take a picture anyway. So I want to ride on those coattails. I don't want to ask them to do something that they normally wouldn't do. I mean, mm-hmm. if they go to my Facebook, that's awesome. But my experience is that usually doesn't happen, but I will get an Instagram tag. Yeah. I've also made the Snapchats really getting big now. Well, it's been big for a while, but it seems to be the, the new frontier. So I've made a sign with my snap code on it so people can take a picture of that. Now, this has just been out three days and I haven't gotten any Snapchat followers with that, but I'm looking forward to seeing what happens over the next two weeks with that. Excellent. These are good points. So you, once uh, someone posts a photo with you or with your instrument, music instruments, broom guitar, something like that with the hashtag, you can then reconnect with them and then you can highlight them on your own profiles and tag them and so on. So there is a lot of uh, room for re-engaging these people after the tour ends, as, yes. as I said. So that's that's smart. Also, I can hear you on the challenge of uh, getting people to do that because, yeah, so they, if they don't, you most probably you don't even see them again ever right at all so this is uh, uh this is an interesting point and it's good that you've been working on that have you been trying to sell anything while you're performing on the street no i um haven't been doing that i i probably should one of the things that i'm trying to that i'm doing with it is working on promoting a song the, the join the dance party song so i have that on the card and how i'm trying to promote that is i'm saying okay you can record yourself and join this video and record it to video yourself dancing to the tour song and here's where it is it's on my website so that's sort of a way to get people to see it now it's a free download but it's also available on the stores so you, you can buy it there so i have done that before one of the things one of the practical concerns is it depends what city you play in but some cities frown upon you selling things on the street so there are certain levels of trouble you might say uh-huh. or or, or If I just go out and play my guitar, that's uh-huh. the play an acoustic guitar, I should say. That is the safest thing to do. Uh-huh. If I use an amplifier, that kicks me out of certain places. Such as parks tend not to like amplifiers. So uh-huh. I was up, up in New York City and I was playing in Washington Square Park and I was using an amplifier. And some police officers came over. They're very nice, but they said, you know, you can't use an amp in the park. I said, oh, okay, can I use it anywhere? They're like, yeah, use it on the street. Uh, technically, New York City has ordinance for amplifiers so if you huh. are playing acoustically even drums it doesn't matter how loud it is it's it's if it's acoustic or not if it's if you have any help 
So guitar players kind of the short end of the stick with it because guitar is a pretty quiet instrument if it doesn't have an amp. So and then then the next thing is selling things. So if you're using an amp and you're selling things, then that's you need to be careful of certain laws with that. So sometimes it's more trouble than it's worth. It depends on what you're trying to do because I collect tips when I'm doing it. That's the second level. So just playing music, then collecting tips, then collecting tips and using the amplifier, then collecting tips, using the amplifier and selling things. But collecting tips is safe yeah. uh, in, in generally, generally speaking, there are certain things like if I'm playing, live near Washington, D.C. So if I'm playing down the National Mall, which all the monuments are, you're not supposed to solicit donations without a license. And mm-hmm. now I can accept that. I can just put it in my pocket. And I'm not supposed to solicit that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, so, but if I'm on the street, it's fine. Yeah, and and uh, I mean you're you're way more experienced with this whole thing. But when I just like as as uh, as someone who experiences street music uh, in different cities, well, at least across Europe, when I see someone uh, selling something, and usually it happens in uh, in bigger cities, it feels slightly confusing. Like when there is a, a CD being sold and all the tips being collected, like what exactly is expected from me if I like the music? So I think it's a, it's a good way to start to try to do something online. To get at least like at least a hashtag mention or something that you that allows you to reconnect with people later on and maybe sell something to them eventually once you establish a better relationship with them and also accept it. So I kind of yeah, it makes sense in yeah. in a way because yeah, you can sell merch when you're performing in a, at, at um venue, for example. Right, where it's way more appropriate. And it's you know something. It's a question of value too. Like if I sell a ten dollars CD, that's awesome. But if I get, if somebody throws a dollar or five dollars in my hat, that's awesome too. But what I really like when I'm out there, what I'm really after, two things. I want really good music video footage and uh, because I'm, I'm recording it with my GoPro for this particular project, but this is a universal one for anybody is I want a connection. I want an Instagram like, I want a Snapchat friend. I want a connection because you never know what that connection is going to turn into. Um, I've made friends. I just made a friend two years ago in New York City and then I was just jamming with his band in Union Square this last time I went. So I don't think we've even exchanged any money, but the friendship and the musical connections that we've shared have been so valuable, both yeah. both personally rewarding. It's been a lot of fun. It's been really nice to know him. And he's been so helpful showing me around the city and playing music and stuff. So so the connection is so that Instagram-like is everything, really. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And um, your approach is uh, is really interesting here. So what about these people who are really not about being actively involved? People like me, introverted ones, <laughs> so uh, who just like what you do, but may not necessarily be into like actively being involved, but just being spectators. Do you try to convert them into... You know, you do have a call to action for these kind of people. What you mean? I want to make sure I understand your question, right? Like, if if you're walking down the street and you see this happening, or or just just people in the crowd watching, or I mean, someone maybe yeah. stopping by, but not necessarily willing to start a conversation and ask you about your broom guitar. Right. Uh, so show some interest, but don't show any signs of willing to be actively engaged. Right, right. So now, th- right. So this is an interesting point that you bring up because even this is something that I was working on in New York and Philly, especially after talking to my brother Noah. He's like, see if you can engage. How best can you engage people? I tend to think of I previously thought of engagement as sort of the you know the phrase if somebody has an engaging personality basically means they they're so extroverted and they have 
you know, there's no holds barred. They're just out there yelling at everybody, right? Sort of, sort of interruption marketing personified, right? Hey, step right up, folks. You know, the, the, the classic Carney hustler. And so I went to New York this last time and, oh man, it's, it's as extroverted as I am, it's, it's intimidating, man. There's a lot happening there. It's really loud. People typically don't care. You have to make them care and all this stuff. So it's very uh, brute force, you know? So I'm out there and I'm in the subways, I'm on the streets and I'm trying to up my game. And by upping my game, I mean yelling more. <laughs> and then after talking to Noah, and then I started watching this, not everybody wants to be yelled at, right? So you're a good example, right? If you're walking down the street, eating, you know, drinking your smoothie, eating your snack, and you come upon this guy playing his broom guitar, you, you probably don't want him to notice you, right? You just would like to either watch or just have him leave you alone, right? You would, you're curious about it, but you don't necessarily want to be yanked in front of everybody and made to play this thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, just just want to comment. So I want to also for you, it may it may kind of sound uh, seem odd because you may want to you you, you may expect that the person who is interested being more active. But yeah, for for people like me, it's pretty much much like that. So I'm really not. I don't like being pitched something. So it's more right. of like I, I need some time to you know uh, maybe get used to the environment or whatever in this case if i have some free time i i may just want to see what's going on and i don't want to be pushed to right. do something necessarily absolutely right and see and i so at first i was missing the point and i think a lot of people in marketing miss that point because because i i was so focused on getting over my own inhibitions and saying okay i need to you know not be shy and, and start yelling and, and more people will come a certain type of people will come but you can ask yourself, and this is for the listeners. Again, I want to make anything I'm saying here. I know most people aren't going to be playing broom guitar on the street, right? That's my thing. But all of these things that I'm using here, hopefully you can use for your own business, is when a person walks by, start asking yourself whether they're walked by virtually on the internet or they're a fan at your show or they're a contact that you're trying to develop. See, ask yourself, how can I best engage this person? Is it starting the conversation with them? Is it not looking at them? Is it looking at them, but giving them a lot of space. Is it complimenting? Is it writing a song about them on the spot? And when you start asking yourself this and you start looking at people like that, you can start to see what's going on. I felt a little bit like Terminator, you know, like kind of like reading people just briefly. And then, and then I lost it. But as they were walking by, I said, okay, well, here's a, here's a guy with his girlfriend. So he's going to be, and he looks protective of his girlfriend, but since he's protecting his girlfriend, he feels safe and he'll, he can look over and he can enjoy it, but they'll probably keep walking. So just play them some pleasant music while they go by. Right. So in other words, don't do any harm to my brand. So if, you know, and then, and then this girl's coming up and she's on her phone, she's on her headphones. And there was just some article that came out that was really stupid about how to talk to a girl on her headphones. And then everybody else was like, don't, that's the point. They don't want to be engaged, right? <laughs> it's, it's, you're, you're a creep if you try to engage them, right? So you just let right. them go by. Then you see a family come by with a little kid. Those are the ones to engage because the little kid's curious. So if you can stop the kid, then you can stop the whole street. So, and then you, you engage in a dialogue with the, with the child. And how you do that is you tend to make yourself a little smaller and you bend over. So you're not on their eye level because I'm pretty tall and kids tend to be pretty short, right? So, but, but you're definitely looking at them. And then they look at you and they don't have this, this thing about, oh, there's a weird guy playing a broom on the street corner. Don't look at him, right? So then they slow down and they stop. So the introverts, you give them more space. So 
all these different ways to engage people on the street. This is something that has just occurred to me. And it's a pretty basic principle, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to try to use this. So it's still new to me, but I'm working on it. And the big thing for me and anybody listening is ask yourself, what types of engagement can I get? And it's not always the same thing on, say, on Facebook shouting, hey, I have a new album. That's the extroverted way to do it. You might be better off talking a little bit about the story, about how it makes you feel. That might engage somebody better. Yeah, so using some inbound marketing tactics rather than just direct. And direct is fine at times. So your point here is just to be flexible, right? Right, right. be flexible and read the situation as it's going by. And sometimes like I had this, and sometimes extroverts might appear introverts too. Like I had these, these two girls were walking by and they ended up playing a lot of broom. They loved it. They thought it was awesome. So they were going and uh, they were walking by. And as they're almost by, one of them said, yo, that is dope. I, so then if somebody talks like that, you know, you can probably yell at them, right? And then I said, hey, come try it out. And it, it was like I threw a rope out and pulled them back. So it just depends on what's going on. And you want to really customize that message of your marketing to whoever is the intended recipient. And I think right. a mistake that I've been making a lot is I have been trying to use a one size fits all. And if it doesn't fit, make it bigger, not necessarily right. Yeah, that's, I mean, that that's, that's a huge insight that you've got here. And it's something that is absolutely applicable to the online world, but uh, it takes not a couple tours or a few like performances on the street for people to figure out online. It takes years and sometimes it's even not enough to understand that because you don't necessarily see the reaction of the person and it's difficult to read the reactions of people right. online if they don't if they don't react you don't know if they uh, saw your message in the first place if they saw you saw it and thought that it was annoying if they saw it and just ignore it or like whatever because and and there is no even no, no st- uh, strict answer for everyone for one single message because different people react differently to a message but so how to apply this principle, which may sound obvious, but is absolutely not not being implemented by, by so many artists performing physical locations uh, t- as well. So have you found some interesting ways to use the same idea online? You know, it's I have not yet in a manner of speaking. So this is, this is I mean, again, this is kind of elementary psychology, but it's just occurred to me, my brother Noah, again, I got to give him credit for this idea, really pointed out to me on it was Saturday evening, we were talking, oh no, Friday evening, we we're talking about it. And I think how I'm going to be doing it, and I've used it in a manner of speaking so far, but to really start to try to approach it from the perspective of the consumer and say, what would they want? I use this a lot in my sales emails when I'm talking to, um, let's say I'm trying to sell a DJ show. Instead of saying, I would like to do this. Nobody cares, right? And I can mm-hmm. say, how can I, do you have a, is the old sales thing of you have a problem and I can solve it. Yeah. So try to see what the person's problem is and how you can solve it. And the person's problem, one of the things to realize, in, in my opinion, very rarely is a person's problem, not enough music. I've been um, doing a lot of vinyl collecting. I've been crate digging and I'll dig up things from the fifties and the sixties. And the back of it says, this is really good music, <laughs> just, <laughs> just like we do today, right? Yeah. And I put it back, right? I'm like, I don't need more music, right? This is not right. why I'm here. I want, I want something that I like, right? So if you can start to see 
somebody's problem. Now, a lot big problem is a lot of people are bored and a lot of people are sad and a lot of people are lonely. So how can you solve that problem? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that's absolutely right. And it's a key understanding. You have to understand that if you're in the entertainment business and the music industry specifically, because too many artists uh, take it way too personal and assume that people can't live without their new songs. Right. So, right. Uh, and, you, you, and, yeah. and they really can. They really can. But once they hear it and they might love it, you need to make it about them. That's my thing. So, yeah, we, it's, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's all about us, me, and so on. So everyone, everyone on Earth cares about themselves, even if they don't admit it in the first place. So you you can just use that in a good way to help them somehow, or to help them feel in a particular way. Or yeah, so that's kind of the basics. But it reminded me of a conversation uh, I, I heard, and it's being discussed quite often about streaming platforms because there are so many songs that you can listen on Spotify and Apple Music that it's very difficult to actually pick what you what you want. Hence the topic of curation is so hard in this space, how exactly to find the music that I need at this very moment. And this is what the these technology companies are working on all the time to pick just the right tune for this moment. So it's it even gets scary at some at some times. But you as an entertainer, as as a musician, you just need to do it on your own. Right. And another thing with it too is something that I was thinking about is this when if you look at the issue of people finding something they like so like with curation and stuff and relating to the individual artist it depends so all you listeners out there so you can ask yourself what is your role in the music industry. So now if you're a record label, if you're an industry professional, if you're somebody who's not creating music this doesn't necessarily, well, the macro trends apply to you. You know, how can we get people generally to find music that they generally like? But if you're a specific artist, you do not need to necessarily answer that question. Or this is my latest insight. And hey, I don't know, but this is something that I've been thinking about. It all started when I saw the OK Go frontman gave a keynote speech at the Teacher Music Conference in DC two years ago. And he said, we did this music video thing. And it's not going to work for you because it's been done. You need to find your own way up the mountain. And I thought that was really interesting because I tend to try to figure out when I'm trying to see, okay, well, how, how do people listen to my music? How do people listen to music generally? I tend to take a bit, very broad view. If I can, it doesn't necessarily matter if people are consuming R&B music the same way. How are they going to listen to my music? So as an artist, I don't necessarily need to reinvent the music industry. I just need to reinvent how people consume my music. Right. So, so that has been kind of an insight for me. So that's something that ties in with the broom and the street performance and the engagement and stuff. So if you're an artist or a producer listening and you're like, oh, you know, this seems so daunting and so overwhelming, it is, but figure out it can be a little less overwhelming when you look at it as how are we going to get people to listen to my stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's, a, that's a huge insight in here. Something related, I think it's, you haven't not mentioned that but I think it's it's very important that everything that makes a difference that you've been doing is related to getting out of your comfort zone, right? Yes, that would be a good way to look at it. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like a turtle without a shell on. <laughs> like, oh, I'm cold. <laughs> well, I mean, it's some uh, some of the things that you've been doing may be more comfortable to than to some of our listeners, and this is a huge benefit, like an advantage for you that you 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 like to entertain. 
people that's i mean that's 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 amazing and you and you can start this conversation with strangers and and this is the way to go if you uh apply the things that you mentioned throughout this this conversation like seeing how exactly to do it for different kinds of people but yeah so you still constantly have to have to do some risky things some experimentation some somewhat comfortable things so this is um what many artists i think have issues with because uh, creating music can be well uncomfortable at times but generally speaking it's it's what artists enjoy the most while yeah. some of the things related to branding and marketing and growth are not quite yeah well and, and like, one of the things sort of building onto that is there's a lot of uncomfortable things to do in the world so you want to pick the uncomfortable things that are going to going to advance you in your direction. So like, let's say we have an introverted DJ listening. Like I'm very, very extroverted in case you haven't noticed. So like, but a lot of musicians are, are, are very introverted. So, so let's say you're an introverted DJ and you're like, oh, well, now I need to go talk to people. Well, maybe you don't need to because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make a music video of a people jumping around with my broom guitar, right? So I need to be extroverted with that. But if you just want people to share an experience and be mellow, you don't necessarily need to go out in the subway and start hollering at people either. So in other words, pick your, your discomfort battles and definitely get out of your comfort zone, but get out of your comfort zone in this way that, that's productive and, right. and, and that does, just doesn't beat you up. Get beat up for a reason, in other words. Yeah, that's a good point. And I hope that it's clear to our listeners here that it, it's not like it's uh, this case study of yours and, uh, and if you want uh, more engagement, like do the Brumgida. It's about applying the same mindset and it can be different to different artists. So what we just talked about, that fans and music listeners are, are human beings, they're different. It's something that somehow I realized only relatively recently myself that artists, and I work with a lot of artists, are quite different as well. I mean, I've seen that, but uh, I oftentimes had similar approach to some aspects of working with musicians and asking them for to do particular things while it doesn't work like that so every artist is different and different approaches are required so it's just i mean it's from a different perspective but i just want to say that it's exactly the same with musicians so when you're reading a cool article on high buds or data music or listening to the to one of my podcast episodes or whatever and you hear some interesting things and then you just something is off it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it applies as is to my project that's that's totally fine anyway okay, excellent excellent yeah. point and how cool that you get that perspective so that sort of backs it up from the yeah so just as audience members are different musicians are different and it makes sense but it's always nice to have that affirmation so definitely thank you for sharing that and I think one of the things, too, that I've been learning from this is, and I, one of my musician mentors told me a while ago that one of his, uh, Peter Gabriel, told him to, he listened to his music. This guy's name is Mache Fambro, and he's, he's the guy who encouraged me to go solo. Uh, he's just this fabulous musician from New York. And he said, Peter Gabriel heard his music one time and said, Mache, take what you have and accentuate your idiosyncrasies. So, so take the little cool little quirks of your playing and really accent those. Mm-hmm. When this, what I've been trying to find, and I feel like I have no idea how to, to really grow it, but I just, I feel that it's there. I feel like there's this weird little quirk. I mean, of course I'm playing the broom guitar on the subway. There's obviously a quirk, but there's this weird little thing that really makes me Josh. And I'm working on developing that. So any listeners, if you haven't thought of this yet, you can start thinking about this. It's a really neat thing. It's a very personal discovery to say, okay, well, 
well, yeah, you know, I make these beats and I make this music and stuff, but what makes you, you? And it's, it's a very, it can be a frustrating journey because there's so much music out there. If you listen, start listening, try to hear your own voice in what's mm-hmm. going on and then develop that. And then your marketing can come from that. So my voice is, tends to be very quirky and colorful and loud. So the broom guitar and playing in the subway is a, is a good fit for that. Yeah, um, and, and to be sure to stay true to your voice. Right. Uh, I, I like the, the direction and the things that you've been doing. And there is lots of uh, just amazing human connection, engagement, social element to it that you don't even uh, talk about way too much from, uh, um, don't use it too much for, for marketing as I see it, which is very generous and uh, just makes a lot of sense. But you do a lot of cool things for people and keep doing that. I think it's one of the things that's uh, special. And fortunately, there are artists who do that, that have that element of like as part of their parts of their brands. But it just, yeah, so keep up with, uh, with that. So, Thank yeah, you. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been quite a few interesting insights on this show. I've really enjoyed it. Is there anything, anything uh, so far from the tour that uh, you'd like to share or, or is it still too early on in it in terms of like some interesting insights and, you know, well, uh, ideas? Well, sure. Well, well, a couple of them, one of the, one of the ones, I, I'm way behind the times, but I just started using Facebook Live. This is really cool. So you can do the live broadcast on Facebook and it's still new enough where like it sends alerts. I think it's, I don't know, but I think it sends alerts to most people on your friends list or something because not a lot of people mm-hmm. are doing it. So one of the things that I've done on previous tours is, so I'm teaching and DJing during the week and I'm going out on the weekends, right? So I want it, but I want to keep the momentum going. So I'm doing daily events. So I'm doing, I used to do a Google plus hangout. So I get a couple people on there. Then I was experimenting with Periscope. But the Facebook Live has been really fun. So if you haven't tried that yet, I would certainly recommend trying it. You just set up your phone and you hit go live and you start videoing what's going on. If you're an Ableton producer, well, people can watch you push the buttons and, and do the whole thing and they can just leave it on their speakers. If you're a guitar player or, or other instrumentalist, people can watch you play. It's pretty cool like that. So just trying all these different things and seeing what works. And then... Sorry, but yeah, I, sure. uh, yeah, so I just interrupted you, but yeah. uh, before you, you maybe mentioned something else, a, a couple more tips about Facebook Live, because it is hot, it is important, it works. Something that you've discovered works particularly well? You know, I've just done two of them so far. So, so I don't really have, I, I would say what I want to do, I haven't even got this, but I would say get a buddy to make sure your levels are good. Uh-huh. Um, so, because I did a couple of them and I listened to it afterwards, I'm like, oh, they were a little hot. I mean, it still worked, but... I would really, it would be nice to have somebody say, hey, you know, turn, turn the bass down a little bit or something yeah, like and that. And maybe help you with yeah. moderation as well. Yeah. 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 And I haven't even had any problems with that just because it's been a pretty close circle of friends so far. So nobody's, nobody's heckled me too bad yet, <laughs> but I'm sure it will happen. So, so um, yeah, just really, it's neat to try a lot of things. And, and I think the main thing from this that I'm learning is in the past, I would kind of go do something and I would see it was binary. Did it work or not? But now to try to figure out if it worked, why did it work? If it didn't work, why didn't it work? Yeah. And then try exactly. to tweak it. So yeah. it's not, it's definitely not, I, I tend to look at things very black and white and I'm trying to get away from that. So that's what I would suggest. That's the big thing I'm looking at is to try to figure out the different shades of things and to figure out, okay, well, you know, this is working. Why is this working? Or is not, how can I improve it? Let me rummage the garbage and get an Altoids tin. Yeah. It makes a good story. So 
that's yeah. Uh, yeah. that's that's what I would say. Excellent. You know, yeah, I just remembered that we had some uh, interesting articles about your previous uh, tours on the Dutty Music blog. So it's something that I'm linking to in the show notes. So awesome. people can learn more about what you've been doing. And you've been a part of the of the team uh, as, as a writer for quite some time. But yeah, finally, we've uh, highlighted your you as an artist on the podcast specifically. So I'm very glad that we are doing this right now. And what are the ways to participate in what you're doing right now in the tour maybe and to engage with you for those who are not in the in the in the east coast in the, in the area that they can actually see you live but maybe do something online sure absolutely well that's the thing that i always try to do with all my tours to make it worldwide the best way to see what's going on is instagram at josh urban and my facebook is facebook.com slash official josh and my website is joshurban.com If you would like to be part of the video, I'd love to have you part of the video. And this is sort of the, it can be an empowering thing. You can work on dancing through your fear. So what you do is um, you can go to my SoundCloud or my website, soundcloud.com slash Josh Urban. And you'll see that there's a, the, is join the dance party, but you can dance to any song, but, but just for the sake of argument, you say you join, put that on, you know, write your, one of your fears on a piece of paper. I wrote fear of failure on paper yesterday. I'm going to do this every day. And you dance along a little bit the song you video yourself doing this you dance along a little bit as you hold up the sign and then and then you crumple up the sign and you throw it away we're dancing through the fear we're getting through this right we, we it doesn't mean we're not scared but we're taking our power back you throw it away then you send the video you can post it online with the hashtag jurt j-u-r-t right. or you, you can email me josh at joshurban.com and then i'll mix that video into the tour music video so while people from all over the world sort of showing each other that Hey, you know, we got this, we can do this. There's a lot of scary things happening. There's yeah. a lot to be scared about, but that doesn't mean we have to be paralyzed by it and we can dance through it and we can use our music through it and we can really empower ourselves. I tell my guitar students, I say, you know, they get all scared about learning the guitar. I say, look, the guitar is pretty useless when you just look at it, it's just wood and strings, right? But it can save your life and it can change the world if you look at it another way too. And that applies to DJs, and producers and bass players and keyboard players and singers and anybody we can get through this with the music. And that's the big message with the tour there. Brilliant. I just, I mean, I love that. Thank so, you. Thank you. Thank you for all the insights. And uh, yeah, I guess it, uh, it makes sense to wrap it up because uh, we are, yeah, so we are linking to everything or to your social media profiles and the websites uh, where people can find out more. And we should definitely talk more about these things with you maybe after the tour and, uh, you know, when more things are happening because you always come up with some interesting uh, things. So thank you. Just one more question, completely Absolutely. random. Before sure. we um, completely wrap it up, do you still uh, enter into the communist-inspired uh, branding and these and stuff? Oh, yeah, right, right. The, right. Well, so, so this, right, so my, my, my whole revolution to overthrow bad music, right? I, yes. I, I took the guitar and the sickle instead of the hammer and the sickle and I, I copywrote it which I think is a, the height of irony because now it's my intellectual property, right? Which is against everything that communism stands for. So I'm a fierce capitalist, but so, yeah. So, so this whole, this whole join the dance party thing, I'll send you a couple of graphics. So the dance party is a, a little bit of a, a, a communist reference right there too. And I have a picture of me looking like there's the, uh, looking like a communist leader. And then there's these, these rays coming up, like, you know, the, the rising sun rays, but they're red, white, and blue. So it's kind of like a, a cross between the U.S. political season 
and Soviet Russia all yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, yes. I think it's it's quite serious, <laughs> but and ironical. Just be careful if you if you ever come to to Poland, like uh, you better don't wear this. The, yeah, they are no. very sensitive to this. Right? Uh, yeah. Well, no. My grandma is Lithuanian, and she she really doesn't like that. And, yeah, pretty and, much and, the same. Yes. Yeah, right. yeah. And and I'm going to I'm going south to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and. I tend not to do as much of that there too. So yeah, there's definitely areas of the country where you want to be careful. Be like, no, no, it's a joke, man. Stop hitting me with the pipe, you know? <laughs> oh, funny, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I just, um, uh, I've got a tip from you as well. So that's pretty cool. All right. Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you very much. It was an honor and a privilege and uh, looking forward to talking to you soon. Likewise. So talk to you later. Take it easy. This is it, comrades. If you have any questions, once again, please ask us and be sure to tag Josh as well. He's really active on social media and he loves providing feedback, answering questions and just communicating with uh, like-minded artists. So uh, yeah, so Twitter, SoundCloud, Facebook, email, whatever you prefer, uh, don't hesitate to get in touch with me and Josh. And uh, yeah, so just one little request. There is something that uh, you could do to to help uh, this show. So it's been 76 episodes so far and this Whisping Recipes podcast exists because you listen. And there is one thing that I really appreciate you doing and it's leaving a review on iTunes. So iTunes is the main place where podcasts are being discovered and the algorithm works the way that the more ratings and reviews uh, there is actually for each country uh, the, uh, the high probability is that the podcast will be discovered by artists in this case. So uh, this is how recommendation feature works uh, with Apple. So any review, any rating, preferably positive, uh, helps us being discovered by more artists. If you have a minute for that, please do. And thank you in advance. See you next time. And once again, be in touch and say hi to Josh. Thank you. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We Spin 12.